Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Question, who will fill the role of Labor Secretary? We'll tell you the latest endorsement in a moment. Another labor law violation for Starbucks. No surprise there. Today on the show, we check in with the Communication Workers of America and the Tri-State Building Trades. Welcome to the Tuesday, February 14th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms. That includes... Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. Two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with Frank Matthews, longtime supporter. On behalf of the Communication Workers of America, Frank represents District 4, which includes four states in the Midwest, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, and Wisconsin. A couple things we're going to get into. Number one, President Biden's commitment to working families, which he pretty much spelled out in his second State of the Union address, which was a week ago. And uh, we're also going to talk about the departure of Marty Walsh, although it's not official. Word leaked out last week that he was going to take a position with the uh, National Hockey League Players Association, which is going to give him a huge bump in pay. He's going to go from uh, $235,000 a year as Labor Secretary to uh, perhaps over $3 million. That's what the current individual is making, and he is uh, planning his retirement. Uh, regarding Marty Walsh, the CWA said the following, throughout his tenure, Marty has done a phenomenal job ensuring workers have a seat at the table. He has gone above and beyond to protect and expand the rights of working families. In addition to focusing the department's resources to support worker organizing and empowerment, he personally met with and encouraged workers who are organizing. He also played an instrumental role in executing key pieces of the administration's pro-worker agenda. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. So uh, the other issue we're going to get into is the CWA's support of Senator Sherrod Brown's manufacturing camps. We talked about that on the show with the senator several times that he's uh, joined us. And uh, this is uh, pretty revolutionary because you're seeing a big surge in manufacturing. Uh, it's a different kind of manufacturing, advanced manufacturing. And Senator Brown is grooming the next generation for those jobs through government policy. So Frank will get into that as well. Our second guest on the show today is uh, John Holbrook. John is the business manager, financial secretary, treasurer of the Tri-State Building and Construction Trades Council. Now, this group is made up of 14 internationals, 50 local unions. It covers 17 counties in eastern Kentucky, five counties in southern West Virginia, and 10 counties in south-central Ohio. The council represents roughly 25,000 union tradespeople. A little background on John. He uh, actually lives in Sandy Hook, Kentucky, 30-year or actually 32-year member of the United Association 
of plumbers and steam fitters. That would be Local 248. His wife, also in the union, she's currently principal at the Elliott County High School. And one of his uh, daughters-in-law is also a member of the United Association of Plumbers and Steam Fitters. Same local, 248. We'll talk about organizing the unorganized, the need for new industry and economic development in that area, and the support of public and private entities to use more local people and the signatory contractors that pay a living wage. Boy, that is so darn important. John Holbrook, business manager, financial secretary, treasurer, tri-state building and construction trades. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Waterson Asset Management, offering fixed income, real estate, equity, investment options to clients around the country. BoydWaterson.com. The Congressional Asian Pacific American Caucus, better known as CAPAC, endorsed Julie Sue, the deputy labor secretary, to be the next labor secretary. Again, the current labor secretary, Marty Walsh, is soon to depart from his roles. The caucus noted that the administration has no secretary-level Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander official in the cabinet and highlighted Sue's familiarity with the department. Also, the Congressional Black Caucus endorsed Deputy Secretary Sue, describing her as an unwavering advocate for workers' rights since she started her legal career, enforcing workplace laws, combating wage theft, and ensuring the health and safety of all workers. She has deep experience in the labor and employment field, she was the lead attorney for the El Monte tie slavery case, which held manufacturers and operators liable for their treatment of garment workers and led to the creation of what they call the T-Visa for victims of human trafficking. She was also appointed to lead California's Division of Labor Standards Enforcement, the DLSE. By Governor Jerry Brown, that was back in 2011. She reworked that department into one of the most effective and aggressive labor law enforcement divisions in the country, making massive strides in stamping out wage theft in the state. She then served as Secretary of the California Labor and Workforce Development Agency under Gavin Newsom, where she led enforcement of AB5. She's an alum of Stanford University and the Harvard Law School. No, those are two very good schools. We'll see what happens here. In the meantime, it's reported that uh, ex-Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi is pushing for former Representative Sean Patrick Maloney, who led the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee last year and did not do a very good job in New York. And uh, I read just yesterday, the Nation magazine reported that a lot of the money that he used in his campaign, he lost re-election. A lot of the money came from union-busting law firms. Why would you have somebody like that in the Labor Department is beyond me. But this is the discussion right now, nothing official. In a very significant advancement for working people, two nominees with very notable Union experience were voted out of the Senate committee 
on the judiciary, and their nominations will now be voted on by the full Senate. The nominees are Judge Todd Edelman, who was nominated to the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, and Casey Pitts, nominated to the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of California. Both have significant experience working for labor unions and are strong advocates for the fair treatment of working people in the legal system. Edelman served on the D.C. Superior Court since 2010, currently serves as the deputy presiding judge of the court's civil division. He's also worked as a public defender, clinical law professor, and labor attorney. Pitts spent most of his career litigating complex labor law cases on behalf of workers, international and local labor unions, consumers, government entities, and public interest organizations. Sounds like two good candidates there, no doubt. An NLRB judge has found that Starbucks violated federal labor law by threatening union-supporting workers at a Colorado store and by giving final warnings to two union organizers and firing one of them. Despite the interference, workers at the store voted 13 to nothing to join Starbucks Workers United last year. The judge in that case, Amita Bayman Tracy, found that Starbucks, their anti-union push, motivated the threats and firing and that the company's service of subpoenas to employees requesting their affidavits was inherently coercive. However, Judge Tracy declined to find that the store's captive audience meetings were unlawful under the National Labor Relations Act, choosing to follow current board law, despite the general counsel's argument in her brief for the case and a memo last year that those meetings are unlawful under the act. The judge ordered Starbucks to rescind its warnings and reinstate the fired worker with back pay and associated expenses. Lawyers for the company maintained that the actions were valid and are considering options to obtain a full legal review of the matter. You know, one of these days, Starbucks is going to get it. One of these days, they're going to realize that their workers are just not happy. Not happy at all. By the way, a new analysis from the Economic Policy Institute. This is a great organization, epi.org. you got to check them out. That uh, study finds that employers are charged with violating labor law in nearly 40 percent of union elections epi studied national labor relations board election data and unfair labor practice filings and found that employers were charged with illegally firing workers in 24 percent of election files furthermore in 27 percent of elections employers were charged with coercion threats and retaliation and they were charged with illegally disciplining, firing, or changing work terms in 24% of elections. The report pointed out that labor law in the U.S. fails to prevent private sector employers from engaging in aggressive tactics that coerce and intimidate workers and prevent them from unionizing altogether. It's amazing. No surprise on that one, though. No surprise at all. All right, quick break. Frank Matthews on behalf of the CWA coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. 
It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. Buildings, bridges, skyscrapers, and more. Structures that are the face of our cities and towns were built by members of the Iron Workers Union. That's why it's important that our workforce of over 130,000 iron workers continues to be the safest and best trained in the field. With 154 training centers, we invest over $90 million annually in safety and training. We're growing the next generation of union iron workers. There are so many reasons to put your trust in our iron workers and their employers. Learn more about us at ironworkers.org. The AFL-CIO is a proud sponsor of America's Workforce Radio. United by efforts to raise wages, listeners to this show and workers all across America are beginning to turn a corner and drive the economic debate. The AFL-CIO is comprised of 12.5 million working people, but we stand with and fight for everyone who is working for a better life. For more information about our Raising Wages agenda, go to AFLCIO.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Make sure you get the word union there. Let's go to line number one and welcome one of our longtime supporters and contributors to the show. That would be Frank Matthews on behalf of of the Communication Workers of America national website, cwa-union.org. I do urge you to check it out, see all the organizing that's going on on behalf of the CWA in the United States. And Frank covers District 4, which is uh, four states of the Midwest, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Last week, by the way, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris visited the uh, CWA members in St. Cloud, Minnesota. It was a manufacturing plant for New Flyer. Now, this came on the heels of President Biden visiting our Lyuna brothers and sisters in Wisconsin. Now, New Flyer makes buses. More than 500 employees at the St. Cloud plant are members of local CWA local 7304 currently working on electric buses for municipal transit systems. Chris Sheldon, who's the president of the CWA, said, President Biden and Vice President Harris have worked effectively with Congress to authorize funding for job-creating infrastructure projects like modernizing our nation's aging fleet of buses. Not only that, but after the bills have passed, their administration has followed through to do everything possible to ensure that these funds are being used as Congress intended to create good, family-supporting union jobs like those at New Flyer in Minnesota. Frank Matthews, it doesn't get much better than that now, does it? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Um, it's, uh, it was pretty incredible. Um, I know our Wisconsin folks were, were thrilled when the president uh, came for a visit. And, you know, the message is... 
his message is spot on about working families and workers, and it's 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 a sharp contrast to the other side who's who 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 is spending their whole time saying, you know, the we need to cut the budget, but we won't tell you how we're going to cut the budget, and be more time worried about Twitter and Facebook than they are real issues that affect American families. And um, and it, it, it's a sheer contrast. The last two weeks could not have been a a better point-counterpoint to, to where uh, Joe Biden wants to take working families uh, in this country and return them to, you know, the, 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 I don't want to say glory days, but, you know, the bring back the strength of labor and, and the middle class and, and basically put middle class uh, fa- working families in front of CEOs and uh, when it comes to the uh, comes to the hierarchy in this country. And, and that's where it should be, because as you and I both preach and preach and preach, as the middle class goes, so does America. And, and Joe gets it. It's amazing, too, how many um, union members were in the audience. We talked last week about uh, the gal at uh, Ironworkers Local, I believe it's 44, in Cincinnati. And she was there with Jill Biden. And they were talking about the Brent Spence Bridge. And a lot of that infrastructure money is going to go there. And uh, Ironworkers play a big part in bridge construction. And then we've got James Hutchie Van Landingham. Van Landing, I, I believe I pronounced that correctly. He's a CWA member, been on strike from his job as a mailer at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette since early October. He attended the State of the Union address as a guest of the local Democratic congressman in that area. Van Landingham is a third-generation employee of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and has worked as a mailer there for 28 years, and he said, I'm here to tell the millionaire block family that we're not backing down. We're bringing our strike to the highest level. I mean, you got to support people like that. I mean, it's hard to believe that that strike is going on that long. Uh, Absolutely. What's going on over there in that block family are doing to working families is criminal. Um, You know, for, for and, and the folks that built that empire and built that print empire and built all that over there, than to um, kind of just because we can kind of model of 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 take 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 and it's 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 yeah, that's the only way I can describe it. It's criminal what's going on to those folks, and by God, they're standing up for their rights and and they're drawing the line in the sand and and uh, uh, we're behind them all the way. It's amazing, too, how many uh, people are speaking out about the State of the Union address last week and how uh, vigilant that Biden was, especially in protecting Social Security and Medicare. Now, Frank, uh, here's here's where the alternate reality comes in. You have seen over the years many Republicans come and say, you know what, we got to take a look at Social Security because it's not solvent. It's uh, it's not going to be there for future generations. And I get that. I mean, obviously, it needs some tweaks. But uh, there were some that have gone on record saying that maybe it should it should be sunsetted every every <laughs> five years. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, Ron Johnson. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Ron Johnson, who's in your district in, in uh, Wisconsin and then Rick Scott in Florida. 
but but now Biden is the liar. Have you noticed that? Yeah, and, and you know, no matter how many videos they come up with that night and the next day of those same uh, career politicians, uh, corporate shills who were out in the audience, you know, going, no, well, that's not our intent, you know, some of the few folks that they focused right in acting indignant because he would bring that up. We've seen video after video over the last few days of them flat out saying that their mission would be to do away with Social Security and Medicare. You know, they, they use the word entitlement. Well, working families, that's not an entitlement. Everybody's paid into that. They've earned that. Um, it's not like somebody just turned around and gave you Social Security. You know, we as working Americans have paid into that all, uh, all of our lives. Um, I get so aggravated when I hear that word entitlement. It's a, it, it's it's one of the, the the catchphrases that they use to to cheapen exactly the the sacrifice that that workers make and that that working families make and are paying into that. Uh, you know, for a career of thirty, forty years, and then to call it an entitlement is. Uh, is is it's an insult and we can't I, I thank god i don't think i think um the president laid everything out and played those folks like a fiddle because yeah. it, it's like how do they now know and then the comment he made about okay well if you don't believe me come to my office and i'll show you the the proposals that have been laid out and uh you know it that's the whole thing. Okay, everybody, when they talk debt ceiling, when they talk all that, everybody realizes that some tweaks need to be made. But we've got one side saying, okay, we're going to, you know, we'll do what we have to, but you're not going to affect those of a, those folks in our country that, um, uh, that, Basically, the, the 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 least among us need the need those those programs in their later years. You're not going to balance this budget or balance your books on uh, you know on the on those with the um, that need it you know need it the most. And you know, let's take Social Security and Medicare off the table and and let's get creative. But there's nothing creative in their plan because their plan is regardless of Social Security and Medicare because in their heads, that's less taxes for millionaires. That's less taxes for corporations and who are, who are right now basically paying zero and paying very little. Um, it's got to end. We've got to start worrying about policy that, that helps Americans, not, not trying to hurt them and Thank God Joe Biden's there to uh, to 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 worry about these because you know you mentioned the State of the Union it was it was incredible I mean he really doubled down on you know focusing on working families the kitchen table issues um, prescription drugs he addressed that again he um, we already said he uh, uh, addressed blocking any effort to uh, to end Social Security or Medicare. Uh, I think his words were, if that's your dream, I'm your nightmare. Um, uh, strengthening by American laws. You know, we're we're pushing out a call center bill in each state, which would take away um, government, where a, if a corporation out, outsourced and offshored 
call center jobs to other countries, they wouldn't be eligible for government loans or, or grants, which that's just common sense. Um, pushing the infrastructure bill, uh, building out broadband with, with American labor, high road employers, um, increasing the minimum wage. I mean, and then maybe the biggest is, you know, he recommitted to passing the PRO Act and he wants to quadruple attacks on stock buybacks. You know, companies get these, get these, um, use their profits instead of using profits to, to, uh, help workers to to give workers more or to to even make their factories more efficient which in essence ends in job ends up as a result as job security for our workers instead of doing that these companies are using every bit of profit on stock buybacks and ceo bonuses the fact that he said i'd like to quadruple the tax on that made me feel good because you know the only people that that are griping about that are the companies that are choosing CEOs and, uh, over employees. So, you know, there's a lot of screaming on the other side of the aisle now. And I had a granddad that, you know, uh, one of my Southern Ohio, uh, uh, little phrases is, you know, you throw a rock into a pack of dogs. The only one that yells is the one that got hit. And there are a lot of folks on the other side of the aisle that, have their targets on Social Security and Medicare and hurting the American worker that are kind of yelping right now, yeah. feigning, uh, feigning disgust that he would accuse them of that, and it's it's almost comical. Yeah, it is. It's interesting to watch. We'll see what happens here, but he got to salute what Biden said in that speech and going forward and connecting with workers. I mean, it's so cool that he goes to a union hall in Wisconsin <laughs> And then goes to a manufacturing plant in neighboring uh, Minnesota there to talk to workers. I mean, that's that's who made America. Let's be honest here. All right. Frank Matthews joining us on our live line today. CWA-Union.org. Frank Handles District 4. John Holbrook will be joining us later in the show on behalf of the Tri-State Building Trades. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's liuna.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. Hello from the Communication Workers of America, District 4. We are a labor union representing a vast array of workers in different industries, including the Association of Flight Attendants, Telecommunications, CWA Passenger Services, Public Health Care, and Education Workers, the IUE, CWA Industrial Division, the National Association of Broadcast Employees, the CWA News Guild, not to mention our growing digital sector, and many others. If you're interested in organizing your work group or learning more about what it means to be CWA strong, visit our website at www.cwa.org. 
cwad4.org. That's cwad4.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up. Receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. In fact, uh, one week from today, we'll be checking in with Melissa Cropper, president of the OFT. Right now, though, it's Frank Matthews' turn. Frank is the... Administrative Director for District 4, the Communication Workers of America, national website, cwa-union.org. A lot of good posts there. I want to talk about uh, Senator Sherrod Brown. You know, we did talk to the senator about these manufacturing camps. I'd like to get your uh, perspective. Maybe you can explain what they're all about and uh, where the CWA comes in. Go ahead. Uh, well, thanks. These are um, Sherrod Brown, who um, that's another one of our working family heroes, and Thank God we have Sherrod Brown, uh, you know, representing working families in D.C. Um, you know, and uh, the summer camps are something that we we at CWA just got involved in over the last maybe three to four years. But uh, Sherrod has actually been doing these summer camps They're called Summer Manufacturing Institutes. Been doing them since, I think, 2013. And um, last year... There were 24 in-person camps around the state of Ohio, and I'll explain kind of what their goal and what they do. Um, And then since 2013, uh, well over 110 of these camps have gone on, um, you know, around the state of Ohio. And basically, I think the best way to explain it is to to, – basically Sherrod's mission statement on these alone. I, you know, I tried to wax poetic and figure out a way to, but his mission statement says it all. It's just that, um, you know, basically he's such a proponent of American manufacturing that in his mission statement, he said that basically I know that the jobs in the manufacturing sector are critical to building and maintaining Ohio's middle class. These jobs are pillars of our economy and crucial to national security. However, someone at the White House remarked to him several years ago that everyone says they want more manufacturing in the country, but no one wants their kids to do it. Um, That's why he created the Summer Manufacturing Institutes. Uh, The mission is to provide elementary and middle school students with a broader perspective on the scope of options available to them upon graduation from high school and to show them where their STEM education can take them, whether they go to work right out of high school, pursue an associate's degree, attend a college, or graduate school. Students need to see all the opportunities available to them in Ohio manufacturing. Um, And basically what this uh, Summer Manufacturing Institute does is it gives local leaders uh, the opportunity to help shape the future of you know kids in their community. 
Um, you know, that's I'm, I'm paraphrasing and that's direct quotes from Sherrod Brown, you know, but at the end of the day, the ultimate goal of these manufacturing camps are to give kids and their parents a real world understanding of American manufacturing today and the careers that are available to them. And it's, it's just crucial. It's important. Um, you know, each county can develop their own summer manufacturing institute. And if that necessarily maybe around a maybe around a factory or a, a business somewhere in 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 their community, um, and then the target population are students age nine through fourteen. Um, you know these are these middle school years are ideal, and um, so I guess okay. So what is a camp? Um, requirements for each camp are that. They should be, they, the students would all come in. They're usually a week-long camp that goes from like 9 to 3.30 in the afternoon. There's a lot of moving parts to these camps and a lot of people involved, the local chambers involved. They maybe set up tours of factories for these young young, young minds and, and, and folks. And then um, all, students are, all students are eligible. Regardless of income, if there is a tuition, uh, we'll find somebody to cover that tuition for them if they can't afford it. Meals are provided to all the students. Um, T-shirts and other memorabilia are provided. Um, you know, the chambers involved, local community colleges, career centers involved, local schools are involved. I mean, the day you know, we, we the the local schools actually sometimes provide buses to get the kids from the school to the to either the career center or the the learning center where the camps start during the day and it's just a great opportunity for community elected leaders labor unions um chamber of commerces um to come together and show kids and that okay you can survive in this country without going right to college, right out of high school. The options that are available, you know, we we take part as unions, us, um, CWA District 4, and our IUE CWA division, which is our industrial manufacturing division. We are, we're all in on this because, you know, it's so crucial for, for kids to say, to see, not that going to college is bad and not that getting a degree is bad, but there are other needs in the community. There's a way to support a family, especially in a union factory. Um, there are ways where folks, kids can come out of college, start work if necessary with a job that they can support a family on or work towards supporting a family on. And at the end of the day, five years down the road, you're not coming out with $100,000 in student debt that you're starting from square one chances are maybe back where you were. That's my perspective is I see a lot of kids going to college right out of high school because they think that's what they're supposed to do, right. whether they want to go there or not. There's so many opportunities in, in, with manufacturing that, you know, fo- kids could go to work out of high school for a company. Maybe that company is a good um, union company that provides a uh, education program to where at night, if they wanted to go to night school, they could go and get an associate degree, get a degree. But they, um, it's all about options, and it's all about showing 
um, folks what's available. I, I was part of one, I think, two years ago, and I, we actually, uh, the kids went through up in Bryan, Ohio, the, the, the sucker factory. Dum-dum suckers are made in Bryan, Ohio. And just to see some of the kids' faces going through the factory and seeing the, okay, the manufacturing part, and then they see the management team. And it, it, it's, it's really incredible. It's an eye-opener for some kids and parents. Well, that's certainly good to hear, Frank. I'll tell you, Senator Brown, in fact, we're going to have him on the show later this week. Maybe we could touch on that a little bit more. But he uh, he is so ahead of the game when it comes to uh, the the future jobs, you know, the generations to come and preparing the young people for those jobs. It's so important. You know, we got a couple of minutes left here. I just wanted to uh, get your point of view on the uh, departure of Marty Walsh. He's still in the labor department he's still our labor secretary but the word leaked out last week that he was going to take a job at the uh, players association for the national hockey league and make a whole lot more money but uh, any thoughts on on marty walsh i mean probably one of the best labor secretaries we've had in a long time your your, your thoughts on him uh just a, another credit to joe biden for putting a person in there that was was labor I mean, Marty is an actual local president um, in his roots, in his DNA. He's a union person, um, and I think it's the first time an actual union leader has ever been put in that position. And, I mean, I'm, I, it almost makes you want to cry because he's been so great to CWA and, and so attentive to, to labor's needs. It's a... It's a real loss. I mean, it's a players' association's gain, and I know you, you know you in the in the political world. You you think in 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 four year four and eight year segments. So um, if if this is what the Walsh family needs and 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 what what he wants to do, more power to him. And I wish him nothing but the best. But it's. He'll be, it'll be a, a, a real loss to labor and, and a real loss because he uh, truly uh, saw things from a labor perspective first. And and we just aren't used to having that as working families and, and workers in this country. And, um, and I wish him nothing but the best. He's an awesome individual. I've had the chance to meet him a couple times. And each time it's like, you know, wow, this is, this dude's pretty cool. I mean, he, you know, and he, and he, down to earth, um, you know, and he's much like uh, the only way to I can describe him. He's one of those people that I I've used the word around a couple people in my lifetime, but you see him in action, and they're just as comfortable talking to the 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 factory worker, the welder, the 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 um the guy on the backhoe, the 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 woman in the factory. They're just as they're just as comfortable talking to those folks as they are talking to uh presidents and and um high up elected leaders and that's a rare commodity in this country somebody that can 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 bridge that message between groups and and it sure is a loss. I uh, uh, but I wish him the best. And he doesn't care what people say. He even uh, showed up on at least one picket line, which uh, raised the ire of some of the conservatives. What's what's a labor secretary doing on the picket line? He's he's favoring unions. How could he do that? But that's Marty Walsh. I mean, this right. guy is as blue collar as they get. No doubt about that. Let me read this statement from uh, 
your uh, president here, Chris Sheldon. The labor movement and working people across the country are better off today because of his leadership. We encourage President Biden to nominate a successor who will follow in Walsh's footsteps and build on his progress to strengthen the middle class and make sure workers have the freedom to join together in unions to stand up for themselves and improve their workplaces. That's what it's all about. All right, my brother, Frank Matthews, District 4 Administrative Director for the CWA National website, cwa-union.org. You uh, stay safe. We'll uh, talk to you next month, okay? Take care, my brother. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, John Holbrook of the Tri-State Building Trades. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Lyuna. Find out what it takes for Lyuna to keep America running at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong, and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, always connecting people with employment. You can find more at ulagency.org. Before we get to uh, John Holbrook of the Tri-State Building Trades, I just want to mention that the Cleveland Building and Construction Trades Council and its Trades Women Committee will celebrate Women in Construction Week by hosting a dinner gathering, and there is no charge. It's set for March 8th at 4.30 p.m. The event's going to take place at the IBEW Local 38 Union Hall, located at 1590 East 23rd Street in Cleveland, just a little bit shy of downtown Cleveland. Again, no cost to attend. And Women in Construction Week actually starts on March 5th. It goes from March 5th to the 11th. This is, of course, hosted by the Building Trades and Cleveland Tradeswomen. And if you want to get some more information, here is an email to check out. It's D. Cannon, that's Doreen Cannon, at plumbers55.com. Plumbers, that's plural, 55.com. In fact, she'll be on the show in a couple of weeks to talk more about this. Now, the deadline 
for the dinner is February 17th, which is right around the corner, but the committee will accept late RSVPs through February 25th. You know, nobody does anything on time, so they're, they're already stretching the deadline. But this is great. Again, women in construction dinner. There's no charge. It, it was supposed to start with the local 38 of the IBEW, but they said, well, why don't we do this for all the Cleveland trades? And again, we are nationally podcast. If you have anything going on in your respective community, just make sure that you contact us. And all the details are right on our website, awfpodcast.com, awfpodcast.com. You can get all contact information there. All right, let's go to uh, Sandy Hook, Kentucky. Joining us on our live line is John Holbrook. And John is a 32-year member of the United Association of Plumbers and Steamfitters. That would be local 248 in, well, actually, okay, Sandy Hook or Ashland, Kentucky. Where are you located right now? I, I got two cities here, John. Well, uh, I, I stayed at home this morning where it was quiet. I'm here alone. But uh, the office is located in Ashland, Kentucky, absolutely. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> All right, not a problem. All right, tri-state building trades. you got quite a territory here, 25,000 members of the territory. Let's see, eastern Kentucky. There's 17 counties there, five counties in southern West Virginia, 10 in south central Ohio. That keeps you uh, pretty busy as business manager, doesn't it? It absolutely does. I have 60 locals uh, covering 14 internationals. So uh, it's been a learning curve for me, to say the least. But uh, uh, as you know, the politics of each state uh, differ, so I've, I've been trying to you know, wade through the waters of uh, each each state's politics and uh, different uh, needs. Yeah, you got a couple of states there, uh, you know, when it comes to West Virginia and Kentucky, those are right-to-work states there. Ohio, well, Ohio has been going in that direction, but we're still, we're still definitely more union-friendly than the, than the other two. So that's got to be tough to navigate. We should also point out that John is also financial secretary-treasurer of the tri-state building trade. So talk to me about the uh, the work going on in those respective states. How how we looking? How we doing with the apprenticeship programs too? Um, most all the locals are trying to grow their apprenticeships. They're working very hard at organizing as well. Um, there's uh, so much work going on outside the council. So many of the locals that are a tad bit slow, you know, some of the locals have the plenty of work, but some are a tad bit slow, so they're sending their members to Columbus, Ohio, as well as uh, Blue Oval down at uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, no major mega jobs in West Virginia. They're just pretty steady, but locally, um, most of what's going on for us is just, uh, in West Virginia, we have a college of business being built at Marshall University. Uh, Cabell Huntington Hospital, they're building a medical office building. Um, jump the river into Kentucky, uh, King's Daughters Medical Center, that's another hospital. They're doing a, a new emergency department. Um, small outage work at Marathon. And in Ohio, uh, they have a lot of, uh, still, still using coal burners over there. So there's a lot of work going on at the Gav- Lightstone Gavin Powerhouse. Uh, Tiger Creek's gearing up for a spring outage, and then at the uh, DOE in Python, which is uh, Department of Energy, we keep 
uh, between 350 and 500 uh, building trades workers in there almost all the time. So the the locals are needing to grow to cover their normal work, uh, outage work, their normal customers, uh, and also send people to these larger jobs that want to make the overtime and uh, you know, the accelerated hours and uh, some per diem type situations make the big money, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, we want the big money, no doubt about that. Uh, United Association Local 248, I know you serve there as business manager. Um, I can only imagine that uh, you're working pretty hard getting some new folks in there for all these projects. I'm thinking that, you know, plumbers and pipe fitters, when you think about new construction today, there's got to be a huge demand for that, especially you mentioned the Blue Oval Project. I don't know if any of your members are going to work on the Intel project in, in central Ohio. Is that That's probably a little too far for your territory or no? It's it's not in our territory, but it's within three hours of uh, of Ashland. And uh, so, yes, I'm, I'm sure that I'll, there will be UA members from all three states. I, you know, I cover three UA locals, uh, Fort Smith, Ohio, 577, Huntington, West Virginia, Local 521, and then Ashland, Kentucky, Local 248. And all three of those respective locals will definitely have members at, at the uh, Intel project, several members, I'm quite certain. John, I know one of the things you wanted to talk about is organizing the unorganized. And, and how are we doing in that respect? I mean, you, you touched briefly on the politics. You got some politicians that are not what you call union friendly. But, you know, you got to move forward. And the trades, I tell you, you it, we're talking middle class jobs here. We want to make sure that. We fill those jobs and, and whatever those that are, you know, working in areas that are not union, bring them over to the union side. How's that going in in your territory? Well, everyone's working hard. Uh, you know, we don't have the mega project to, to just go out and really put up the billboards and advertise for, but everyone is working hard. All the crafts, did, you know, everybody's still needing people and, and they're working hard. Um it's going okay. It could be going better, obviously, but with uh, obviously the, some of the the new legislation, the Inflation Reduction Act, the Chips and Science Act, and the Build Back Better, uh, all having Davis-Bacon language and having registered apprenticeship language, I can't keep from thinking that um, work is coming toward us. I mean, I do believe that. Appalachia and my area is a little later to 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 get the projects. You know, the the work comes to us a little bit slower, but with it coming, uh, I believe we're going to have to grow. And and all the locals and business managers and agents, craft reps, they're all on board. They're all trying to uh, make their locals look more like the uh, area they serve as well. They're trying to uh, target minorities. Uh, women as you mentioned earlier in the podcast uh, it it used to be somewhat taboo uh, you know the women and uh, you know it's it's been a it's been a for many years it was hard to get in the union and today the doors are wide open there's never been a better time and it's just a pivotal moment a pivotal moment in the labor movement with 71% approval ratings for for unions currently uh, across the country and just with all this um, money coming that that's you know targeting Davis Bacon and has Davis Bacon language in it 
I just believe it's just our time. If we don't grow now, we've uh, we've really let down uh, our, our movement. And, you know, we, we could set the stage for the next 50 to 100 years yeah, if this... we handle this correctly. Yeah, this is this is definitely an opportune time for that. How are we doing reaching into those underserved communities? Because there are many in the tri-state area and getting into those areas where you can tell the folks, you know what, this is the pathway to the middle class. You don't have to work for a minimum wage job. You can make a heck of a career in the trades. Are we connecting with the, with those communities right now, in your opinion? I, I do believe that we are. Uh, like I said, I, I watch these uh, craft reps. I watch them work uh, tirelessly. Uh, we had our, you know, from the council standpoint, I, I brought in the organizers and agents and managers that wanted to attend. We just had a uh, just to get together, just to get to know each other. Really, I, I, you know, I can't do the organizing for them, but I can assist them or see what their needs might be. But I see a lot of. Uh, they're, they're just reaching out. They're going. They're starting younger. They're starting into these uh, middle schools. Uh, you know, obviously the high schools. They're trying to do job fairs. They're trying to. Uh, they're just trying to reach out harder and and market who we are and tell our story. They're doing a very good job, and they're and they're working harder than ever before. I believe. I think before um, years before years many years before it was almost what you would say. A, private club and we're no longer that i mean we want we want people we need people we need to grow and the union is the the membership and uh and like you said uh, the if you have the people you're you definitely don't get stronger or gain market share by by lowering your numbers uh you know the the stronger and the the more that you get to join the union the better chance you have a market share it's just uh i believe that's you know proven yeah well, John, right now you seem to be doing pretty darn well. Again, the uh, tri-state building trades, the council represents 25,000 union tradespeople, brothers and sisters in uh, Kentucky, Ohio, as well as West Virginia. So you stay in touch with us. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, and uh, we'll check with uh, check in with you down the road. Okay, brother? Yes, sir. Thank you. It's good talking to you. All right, that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, I'm going to check in with the American Federation of Government Employees and Labor's International. Until then, all of you, have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.